Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Hello and welcome in to the Jeff Andreas Show here on Friday, December the 20th. Thanks so much for tuning in here today on what is a pretty snowy Friday. I got a good show lined up today and in about 10 minutes I will be talking about avalanche control here in the area. I'll be joined by Kate Devine from Avalanche Canada to talk about what the current situation looks like as we deal with all this snow along area highways today. And I'll get to some other stuff that will be coming up here in the show in a little bit, but I thought I would kick things off by talking more about that weather. Like I said, we saw some pretty interesting activity here overnight and into this morning, and I'm joined now by Environment Canada meteorologist Doug Lungfist. Doug, thanks so much for coming on here today. No worries. Good morning. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we forecast this storm. We were looking for it for a long time, and I'm glad to see it came much like we thought. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, tomorrow, I guess, is really the official first day of winter, but uh, it looks like uh, it kind of came a day early. So uh, what can you tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, what's going on here in the area? I know that's a pretty general question, but, uh, you know, what, what, what yeah. are we seeing here around Kamloops? I have some bookends for you for snow amounts I can give you, but we officially count winter from the 1st of December. Just We're already a third of the way through. Uh, but anyway, the snow came like crazy at Coquihalla Summit. It was about 70 centimeters, and it's not over yet. Uh, on the section of the highway between Merritt and Kamloops, probably 10 to 15. Downtown in Kamloops, I think there was a few centimeters of slush. So really variable amounts. I think uh, Allison Pass got 55, and I heard you talking about avalanche control. We're looking at problems in Rogers Pass, too, because of the snow they've got in the Revelstoke area. So certainly a really snowy day in the high terrain. Down in the Valley Bottoms, we largely escaped it, which kind of bodes unfortunate for the lowest elevations for Christmas. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, lot of different activities. I mean, uh, you know, you mentioned how the snow is really varying from, from place to place. Uh, I mean, wh where was the, the biggest area hit? I mean, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, two-plus feet there in some areas. Yeah, it's the, the coastal passes there where they've gotten between 50 and 100 centimeters. You know, I'm sure some places that are on, beside the road must have got a meter. So it was a really incredible amount for such a short period overnight. Uh, as far as the valley bottoms go, I think actually the highest amount I saw in the southwest interior is actually at a Soyuz where they got about 7 centimeters. Downtown Kelowna, just a couple, same as Kamloops. Vernon, I haven't got an observation yet from there, but it, they could have got a decent amount even down lower. So the heaviest mountains in the Mountains in the valley was kind of variable across the southwest interior as well. And and what's the situation like? I guess moving forward. I mean, we've seen all this snow, and we're telling everyone to be concerned or, or be careful when they're out driving and and you know uh, heading from from destination to destination. Um, is that going to be the situation here for a little while moving forward, or or what can we expect here today? Yeah, that's a great question. There's really great opportunity coming up on Sunday. Like, I think what's going to happen is if we see that band of moisture we're calling it, used to call it a pineapple express. We call them atmospheric rivers now to be scientific more. <laughs> but that's going to kind of hang over us for the next 24 to 36 hours. So through the day Saturday, it's going to be largely warm enough in all the valley locations that it's going to come down as rain. Any precipitation will be rain from Azus at least up to uh, Clinton or at Cash Creek for sure. Uh, but at the high terrain, it's going to continue to snow. We'll see another 30 to 50 at Rogers Pass, at uh, Hope to Merritt section of the Coquihalla. Uh, even some of the 
uh, the merit to Kamloops merit to Kelowna sections of the Coquihalla could get upwards of 20 or 30. So uh, I'd really want people to take a look and perhaps just delay it a little bit now if, if they're a little unsure about the high terrain or there's low elevation routes, right, that we can take to stay safer. Yeah, so it's really looking at uh, Sunday then before things are going to really start to clear up. So it looks like we could be in for another, what, day and a half, I guess, of, of uh, considerable weather here moving forward. Yeah, 24 to 36 hours over the high terrain, unless you're headed to the Kootenays, and it may last into Sunday in the Kootenays. It's not moving out really quickly. This front is kind of actually stalling or even maybe moving ever so slowly north right now. It's going to start to move south again today. We'll get a big dump in the high terrain and in the ski hills, and then it'll slowly move out, move out of the Kootenays by Monday. Yeah, definitely good news for the ski hills. I know it's been a, a bit of a slow start here for snow uh, for, for many of them, and I'm sure they're going to be happy to see this. Um, is this really the only system on the radar right now, or is there anything else that could potentially be coming our way, Doug? Are, are you aware of anything? Well, of course, I'm looking towards Christmas, and there's a bit of a trough over the area for Christmas, but I think it's going to be so dry that we won't collect maybe a skiff at the most, but I'm even leery about that. So, unfortunately, I think it's going to melt out in the lowest elevations in Christmas. Up till Christmas Day, it's looking pretty dry after the system passes. Okay, so it could be a green Christmas, but uh, it's definitely yeah. not a green couple of days before that. It's, uh, it's pretty white here now, so maybe we'll just have to enjoy it while we can. And well, and Sahali, yeah, I think it's almost 100% sure they'll keep the snow at the high terrain. Fair. It's, so fair. somewhere in Kamloops, you've just got to find the right friend, and St. Nick can land higher up and do a little hike down. <laughs> right on, Doug. Well, I think that's about all I have for you right now. Anything else you think people should be aware of before I let you go? Stay safe, but enjoy the fact that the mountains have got snow. Awesome. Well, Doug, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know it's been a bit of an interesting night here, so I appreciate you filling us in. Merry Christmas. You as well. That was Environment Canada meteorologist Doug Lungfist. Like he had said there, you know, uh, take a couple of extra extra minutes here. Take an extra day or two if you can before you hit the roads and, and go visit your family and friends. I know it's the, the final weekend here before Christmas, and I'm sure many people are raring to go and ready to get in those vehicles and jump on the highway to go visit, uh, you know, like I said, their family and friends. But maybe, maybe you should wait until Sunday if you can. It looks like things are going to start to clear up in the next 24 to 36 hours, but... Uh, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, accumulation there on the area highways for the next little while. And uh, we saw it overnight, and it looks like it's going to continue here today and maybe even a little bit into tomorrow as well. So if you can wait till Sunday to hit the roads, uh, we would advise that you probably do that. Well, what else do I have coming up on the show here today? To kick off the back half of today's show, I'm going to be joined by the BC Seniors Advocate. That office is looking for improvements in the tracking and reporting of abuse involving the elderly. So Isabel McKenzie is going to join me because she's saying that the current approach doesn't offer reliable information on the magnitude or root causes of elder abuse and neglect. The latest monitoring report shows a 7% increase in calls to the senior abuse and information line, but McKenzie says that may not be an accurate depiction of the whole situation. So Isabel will join me at around the 35-minute mark of today's show. And to end off the program, packages are being delivered all over the world, and that is going to continue here for the next little while. One thing people might have a concern about is package thieves. Yes, unfortunately, there are people out there that will look to a box on a porch and feel the desire to scoop it up for themselves. I'll be speaking with UPS to help you not only get any last-minute packages delivered to where they need to go, but also to make sure that they aren't stolen off 
of your porch. So that's all going to be coming up here in the next little while. But coming up next, I'm going to be talking with Avalanche Canada about the current situation, some of the work that's going on right now along the area, and uh, we'll be talking more about how you can, uh, uh, you know, stay safe and also avoid those avalanche area work, uh, avoid those areas where avalanche work is going on. So we'll be talking more about that with Kate Devine after this. NHL Action is live with the Radio NL Vancouver Canucks Game of the Week. Tomorrow night, JT Miller and your Vancouver Canucks try to get back on track against Malkin, Gunsel, and the Pittsburgh Penguins. NL's coverage begins with a pregame show at 6. Puck drop with Brendan Batchelor and Corey Hirsch from Rogers Arena at 7 o'clock. Radio NL, 610 a.m. The home of your Vancouver Canucks. The voice of your community, Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas. Welcome back to the show here. It is Friday, December the 20th, and I'm sure everyone is getting set for their weekend. And, you know, if you have any plans that involve the snow, well, maybe you're liking the weather that we've seen here over the last little while. Uh, we talked a little bit about the weather with Environment Canada here at the beginning of the show, and now we're going to switch to what's going on from that uh, avalanche work perspective. I'm joined on the line now by Kate Devine from Avalanche Canada. Kate, thanks so much for uh, coming on with me here today. No problem, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, it's been what looks like a pretty crazy last, uh, you know, 12 hours, maybe a little bit more than that. And uh, I know you guys here at Avalanche Canada have been doing some work to, to keep the keep the areas clear. So can you just tell me sort of what's been going on here from your perspective over the last, uh, you know, 12 to 24 hours? Well, it's been a really big storm, uh, sort of province-wide, at least in the southern half of the province. Um, we had a pretty busy day in the forecasting office yesterday. Um, the big story is that there was about 70 centimeters of snow overnight on the Coquihalla, and uh, it's not really showing any signs of slowing down. The interior ranges, north and south Columbia, south Purcells, Kootenay Boundary area, saw more like 20 centimeters, but uh, may see another 20 to 40 by the end of the day today. So when you see this much snow, I guess, what, what does that do for Avalanche Canada? I mean, what, what kind of work does that trigger uh, once you start seeing these kinds of uh, amounts start falling? Uh, well, for our forecast regions, when there's this much snow, um, it's a lot of work to sort of look at conditions around the province, gather that weather data, uh, but it's also easy in a way because with this much snow, the avalanche hazard always increases. So when the avalanche hazard increases, you know, what, what, what do you guys go out and do? I mean, when I, when I think about avalanche control, I'm always picturing, like, you know, those helicopters that throw dynamite or something like that. Like, what kind of work is it that you guys are doing now? Uh, well, in the Avalanche Canada office, we're just uh, writing the public avalanche bulletins, and then there's different agencies that deal with the avalanche control uh, for the okay. highways and the railroad. Yeah. Okay, so you're just continuing to monitor the situation. I mean, what, what kind of risk are we looking at now? I mean, you mentioned, that, you know, whenever we see uh, this much accumulation, the risk of an avalanche goes up. So what is the current uh, risk level? Is it pretty high here, like almost across the interior? It is, yeah. Most regions um, that your listeners would be familiar with um, are high avalanche hazard at all three elevation bands, so from mountaintop to valley bottom, basically. 
And is that having a significant impact on the highways? I know we were looking at uh, some avalanche work. I know you mentioned that that's not necessarily your jurisdiction, but there was a bunch of avalanche work that's going on between uh, Revelstoke and Golden, and that's having a pretty significant impact on the highway there. It's closed it until at least 1 o'clock this afternoon, um, and some work was going on there yesterday as well. I mean, is this uh, potential to uh, continue elsewhere? Could you think that uh, we might be looking at a, a number of other potential closures as a result of some avalanche work, given the fact that you are, you are uh, reporting some pretty significant uh, risk levels here? Yeah, I would imagine there's a possibility for more closures today, um, especially as the snow continues to pile up. Um, it's going to be basically an ongoing avalanche cycle, so there will be natural avalanches happening in the mountains all day today and possibly into tomorrow as well. Is this the, the first real significant event uh, of the year for Avalanche Canada that you've noticed in this area anyway? This is definitely the biggest storm of the year, I would say, and uh, and also the most widespread. It's it's not the most common thing to see so much snow across such a big geographical area. But uh, I guess it helps when uh, you know the forecast was was pretty accurate. I mean, you were able to kind of see this one coming, I assume. Yeah, definitely. Perfect. Um, I mean, I guess now you just kind of continue to monitor throughout the weekend. I mean, what happens here over the next little while? Are you guys just going to continue to, to stare at the forecast and, and put out those warnings as need be and, and uh, trigger any work that needs to be done here moving forward? I guess it's just a matter of continuing to watch the storm here because I was told it could go into uh, even early Sunday morning. Uh, you know, in the next 24 to 36 hours, it looks like that system is going to continue to, to hit the area. So I assume you're just going to be continuing to, to pay close attention to, to help keep everyone safe here over the next little while. Yeah, we'll definitely be continuing to issue our daily avalanche bulletins. And, um, yeah, one of the bigger challenges for us will be monitoring the snow situation as we move out of the storm and trying to assess um, how long it'll take for all this new storm to sort of um, gain strength and for the avalanche likelihood to go down. Right on, Kate. Well, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to come on here and speak with me. I really appreciate it. I guess, is there any particular message that uh, you want to hand out to people that are listening before I let you go? Uh, well, as always, with Avalanche Canada, we say get the gear. So the essential gear being an avalanche transceiver, a shovel, and a probe. Get the training and get the forecast at avalanche.ca. Yeah, I guess before I let you go, since you brought it up, I mean, you, you mentioned some of the gear that people need. Um, you know, I, I'm coming here from Ontario. I've never had to deal with really avalanche risk before, but now this is clearly something that uh, is a reality for me. If I were to have to go out onto the highway or go into the backcountry for whatever reason, there is that risk of an avalanche. So you mentioned some of the things that, that we need in order to uh, be prepared in case something were to happen. Um, and, you know, those were the essentials. Is there anything else that we should have in a kit, whether it be in our vehicle or, you know, in our backpack if we are heading out for a hike or something along those lines? Is there anything else that people should be aware of to have on them? Uh, well, in a storm like this, I would certainly say it's a good idea to have a shovel in your vehicle for sure. Right on. Well, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to speak to me. Uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll continue to monitor the storm as it moves through. So thank you so much, Kate. I really appreciate you taking the time. No problem. Thanks, Jeff. Right on. That was Kate Devine from Avalanche Canada. Yeah, so uh, that's the theme here of the day so far is just watch this weather. These weather patterns are going to continue to hang over us for the next little bit. Um, and, and just something that people need to be paying attention to. Stay safe when you're on the roads. Make sure those winter tires are on. Um, you know, just take that extra time before you leave the house today. I mean, uh, if you are hitting those highways, they can be dangerous. If you're planning to go out to enjoy the snow that's falling, you know, whether you're going skiing, whether you're going for a quick hike or snow 
snowmobiling, maybe, you know, whatever the case, whatever your activity of choice is, uh, just make sure you're prepared in case something were to go wrong. Of course, uh, you don't want anything to, and, and we hope it doesn't, but there's always that possibility that something could happen and that uh, you want to be prepared for. It's better safe than sorry. That, uh, that statement, uh, you... It's always held true. Always held true. Um, we had a couple minutes here before we go into the news, so I wanted to take back a look back here at a at a story that uh, caught my eye last year. Really, really bugged me. Uh, this the situation in Ottawa. So there was a uh, an issue in 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 Ottawa last year. There was this Cosgrove family, and they built a skating rink every year in their front yard. And they, you know, they build it so that the neighborhood kids can have somewhere to gather and, and skate and play. And it's, uh, you know, a very good situation that they had going on. But last year, for whatever reason, a neighbor called and complained about that rink, saying, you know, they were never consulted about the structure. So a little neighborhood squabble going on here. Well, not long after the neighbor's complaint, city bylaw officers showed up at the Cosgrove household and told them they had to take down their skating rink. They said, uh, you know... There's not much that they can do as far as having a slab of ice on the front yard for the kids to play on, but the structure itself was the issue. So no nets, no boards, no hockey, not nice, not very Canadian. Well, it looks like things are turning around a little bit here this year. A year after that neighbor complained about the front yard hockey rink built for those neighborhood children, the two parties have agreed that the Cosgroves can put it up again, this time without any dispute. Apparently, the two parties had spent some time making sure that they were on good terms since this incident happened one year ago, so that when this winter came around, well, there was less of a problem building that rink. And after a one-year hiatus, kids in the neighborhood, in this Ottawa neighborhood, can once again lace them up and play some puck there in their front yard. It's a little bit odd to have a skating rink in the front yard, but hey, you got to make the best uh, of the situation that you have when it comes to uh, what space is available, you know? Not everyone has a big backyard, so the front yard might be the place to build that hockey rink. And you know what? When you look at your front door and you're sipping on your hot cocoa and you see some kids playing hockey, well... What's wrong with that? It's good entertainment. Uh, another cool part of this story was actually that uh, the rink was probably a little bit easier to build this year. Uh, after last year's incident, a Wisconsin company called Nice Rink actually sent the Cosgrove family a pre-made rink building kit to try and help resolve the situation. So I'm sure it's going to be a great Christmas there in that Ottawa neighborhood. And I hope that a lot of people here in the Kamloops area are also able to get out and, and uh, enjoy the outdoors and get together with their neighborhood friends and family and kids and play some hockey or whatever your sport or game of choice may be maybe go tobogganing it looks like today might be a good day to get that kind of activity started all right well that's enough about weather here for the next little while uh we'll have more on the weather forecast coming up shortly but then uh, we're going to switch to some other issues uh coming up next we're going to be talking about how to improve the ability to report incidents of elder abuse so i'll be speaking with the seniors advocacy office next opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. Hello and welcome back to the Jeff Andrea Show here on Friday, December 20th. And thanks so much for tuning in. The Office of the Seniors Advocate here in British Columbia says that improvements are needed in the tracking and reporting of abuse involving the elderly. Isabel McKenzie says that the current approach doesn't offer reliable information on the magnitude or root causes of elder abuse and neglect. Here to talk about this now is Isabel McKenzie. Isabel, thanks so much for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you. 
So let's just start by talking about the current system. I guess, you know, when you're looking at saying, uh, you know, there needs to be improvements in the tracking and reporting, I guess, what, what are the gaps that exist there now? Well, I think one of the big gaps that exists is there's not one system that people are able to contact if they are suspecting that their friends or neighbors or family members are being abused. We have a number of different agencies out there. We have the public guardian and trustee. We have designated agencies at the health authority. We have the seniors abuse and information line, which is has varied exposure throughout the province. Um, we have the BC211 number, which has varied exposure throughout the province as well. And they all collect little bits of information, but part of the challenge is some of the cases are overlapping. We don't know what cases are overlapping and which aren't because we're not using a, a systematic way of, of identifying and tracking a particular case. And when we look at the numbers, I think it's also clear to most of us that there's an issue with significant underreporting in British Columbia if we take, for example, the seniors abuse and information line in a given year is only getting somewhere in the neighborhood of 13 to 1400 calls about uh, elder abuse. If we look at the designated agencies and they're only getting about 1600 calls and some of them may be the same as the sale line is getting and the BC211 is only getting uh, you know a couple hundred. Those are not numbers that in any way approach what we would expect to be seeing even in the context of underreporting. And so my office knows very much that people, all people, not just seniors, care very passionately about this issue. And we're launching an, uh, a systemic review. It's underway right now to look at all of this and to bring forward some recommendations on how we could improve this. So, I mean, that, there's a lot there to, to kind of take in. One of the things that I, I really took out of that was just that there is a, an underreporting that seems to be happening, or at least, uh, you know, given the, the way you're able to collect information now, it, it sounds like there is an underrepresentation of, of what the abuse might actually be going on versus the, the data you are collecting at this point in time. So, uh, I mean, why is it so important that people go about reporting this and, and maybe, I mean, are you looking at having sort of one central hub where people would be able to, to report this? Uh, information and then that might be more useful for your collection? I think so. I think that most people would understand we've gone to a system where if you need fire, police, or ambulance, you call 911. Um, and that's been a very successful example of being able to uh, focus people on one number and they phone that number and that you know gets sent different ways. Uh, I think when it comes to elder abuse, I think there's two aspects to it. I think there's education for the public around what is elder abuse, what does it look like, and then the next part is, and if you see it, how do you report it? And right now we can't give people a clear uh, answer to that or clear direction on that. And then the third part is, once it's reported, what happens? And how are we able to assure ourselves that reported cases of elder abuse and neglect are appropriately followed up and um, appropriately case managed? And again, we don't have 
um, an ability right now to have any confidence that that's happening. So what, I guess, is your message to people right now? I mean, you said you can't give a clear answer, I guess, of how to go about taking the steps to, to define what abuse is, then go about reporting it, and then, you know, taking steps from there. So what what do you tell people who are concerned about this issue and, and want to, you know, file a report or, or want to know how to go about doing that if they do, in fact, you know, come across a, 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 a abuse of a senior at some point? I mean, what, what do you tell people right now? Well, right now, you would say you could call the Seniors Abuse and Information Line, uh, depending on where you live in the province. And you could also, regardless of where you live on the pro- in the province, go to the designated agency, which is the Health Authority. And the Health Authority will investigate, but they only play a role if the person who is being abused or neglected is in, uh, incapable of decision-making. Most seniors are capable of decision-making. You can be subject to abuse and be capable of decision-making, and that muddies the waters around what the role of the designated agency is. So it's not a satisfactory answer that we are able to give, and so we want to look at this and come up with some recommendations for the province around how we can provide to the public uh, a better, more comprehensive and more easily articulated response around here's who you call if you suspect abuse and it's one number and I think um, uh, most people will agree that that will go a long way it's only part of the 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 puzzle it's only one piece of the puzzle but it's a very critical part because we can spend a lot of money um, and, and promotion educating people about what abuse looks like but how is that helpful if they see it and don't know what to do about it that's we also have to add that piece to it so do you have any idea what the ideal model looks like right now? I know you said it's sort of something you're, you're working on and trying to determine exactly what the best practice would be moving forward. But, uh, you know, you've probably done some work to kind of think about at least what, what an ideal system might look like. Do you have any ideas as to or, or how you can present that right now, what, what the model might look like? Well, that's part of the review that's going on right now. We expect the review uh, to take a while. We we did a couple of years ago uh, try to do some work on the um, patient safety um, reporting system and try and get that uh, as a, a consistent reporting system through health authorities, through designated agencies, and we've reported on that data for the first time this year. but it became clear to us that that's not going to be the approach that is going to get us to where we need to be. So right now we are looking at uh, a consultation process in all parts of the province, including in, in the Kamloops area, to talk to those in the community who are working in the uh, field and area of uh, elder abuse and neglect to get their feedback. We are going to be launching a, a public survey to get some feedback from the public in terms of their thoughts on it. And we're also doing a review of all of the current legislation and regulations around elder abuse and neglect. And so we're going to take those three components and we're going to analyze them and come up with uh, some recommendations for government on what we think uh, they need to do and how to implement that so we get to a place where British Columbians have more confidence. I, I think 
we'll never have total confidence, but we could have a lot more confidence that we are picking up cases of abuse and neglect. They are being reported. They are being followed up when they are reported, and, and we're able to track and measure that progress. Uh, I'm here with Isabel McKenzie from the Office of the Seniors Advocate in British Columbia. Um, Isabel, I, you know, you talked about the process and how it's going to take quite a long time, it sounds like, to go over this review. Or, you know, uh, just curious, when you do go to present, uh, you know, your findings and your recommendations to the government, uh, do you have any idea what the timeline looks like right now? Do you have any ideas sort of when you might be able to put a package together for presentation, or is it too early to tell? Well, we're, we're certainly expecting it will be in 2020. We're spending, we're taking about four, five months to do a consultation in part because we're going uh, throughout the province and looking in, into the different areas around that consultation process and the review of the regulations and the review of the legislation. Uh, we're, we're trying to be as thorough as we can about that and, pre, and also to go out and do just a broad um, uh, public consultation with uh, people who aren't necessarily involved in the in the delivery of services. So that's all going to take a little bit of time, but I think it's going to be important because we've gotten to where we are today with little bits and pieces of this, that, and the next thing because it's been a more fragmented approach. And so we're saying, okay, this fragmented approach isn't working. We can see that in our numbers. We've been reporting on this now. This is the fifth year we've been reporting on these numbers, and we can tell by looking at them um, that we're not getting the kind of quality um, information we need to really understand the magnitude of abuse and neglect in our province and the root cause of the abuse and neglect, which is how we're going to be able to reduce it. We need to, we, we need to understand a little bit more what's happening, where is it happening, how frequently is it happening, who is it happening to, and then we can develop uh, the necessary supports to reduce uh, the extent of elder abuse that we are seeing in the province. Um, as you've kind of gone through this process, I mean, you mentioned you kind of been tracking some of these numbers for the last five years. Um, have you seen an improvement over that time? Well, it it depends. So some numbers were going up a, a little bit every year, and some numbers were going down a little bit every year. Uh, you know, if we look at the public guardian and trustee, we had been seeing a trend line of a reduction in the number of committee of estates. That's where the PGT comes in and takes over the finances of an individual. Um, but this year, we saw a, a tiny uptake, um, only a 1% increase, but different from the pattern of the preceding uh, five years. We, when we look at the seniors abuse and information line, uh, and we look at the, the number of calls, it's bounced around a bit. So we actually saw a decrease this year um, of the number of calls related to abuse and neglect. But we've seen a bit of bouncing, you know, it's gone up and down uh, a bit. So I think it's too early to say that there's been an improvement and at the end of the day it's also talking about 1,346 calls which is clearly not be, not even touching um, the magnitude of what we think is happening out there. Yeah.
Which is unfortunate because 1300 I mean, sounds like a lot. I mean, that's what, four and a half a day or something along those lines when you look over the course of a year, but yet that sounds like a low number to you. So definitely uh, concerning and it's unfortunate that we have to deal with these kinds of situations. But if there is a central reporting hub, I guess uh, the thought is that people would be more willing or and make it easier to, to go about uh, providing this information for you and then, then for sure you can go about tracking the problem better and then coming up with better solutions, I guess, right? Did, did I sum that up all pretty good there? You summed that up perfectly. Perfect. Well, uh, definitely going to be paying attention and maybe we can uh, check back in on you later in the year in uh, 2020 to kind of see how things are going and, and find out uh, you know what progress has been made here as you look to make some recommendations moving forward. But uh, until then, thanks so much for coming on the show, Isabel. I really appreciate you taking the time. Okay. Thank you so much. That was Isabel McKenzie with the BC Senior Advocacy Office as they look ahead to next year when it is hoping to see some improvements in the way that incidents of senior abuse are reported and then, of course, dealt with. Coming up after the break, it's the busiest time of year for couriers. I'll be joined by UPS to talk package thieves and getting those parcels out on time after this. to Jeff Andreas on Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Hello and welcome back. Here it is Friday, December 20th. Thanks for tuning in. We're now just five days away from Christmas and many people will be getting those last minute packages sent to their door. It's of course always exciting to get those gifts, you know, unpack that box and get those presents under the tree. But of course there are always those people out there who maybe see that box on your porch and think... I may want that for whatever reason, and, uh, you know, they take it for themselves. Here to talk about kind of what to do in this case is uh, UPS spokesperson Steve Vitale. Steve, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to speak to me here today. My pleasure. Thank you. So, porch thieves, I guess, you know, this is something we've kind of seen a little bit in, you know, YouTube and, and the, the YouTube world we live in. You know, a lot of videos of people uh, having their nanny cams or spy cams outside their, their front doors, and they catch a lot of people, uh, you know, stealing packages off the porch. Is, is this something that is happening pretty frequently? Do you at UPS notice uh, this happening on any kind of regular basis? Well, luckily, I mean, if you take into account the number of packages we deliver a day, theft reported to us is very low. Uh, in fact, it's a fraction of a percent. Now, during the holidays, as our volume goes up, even though the percentage stays low, uh, the number of incidents do rise, do rise a bit. So what do people do in that situation? Well, we, we recommend, first and foremost, contact us or contact uh, who the, the vendor that you purchased your item from, and as well as local authorities. Uh, local authorities can, uh, can assist in monitoring neighborhoods and potentially help, um, uh, you know, capture the person doing this. So we definitely want, uh, just like any theft, uh, definitely report it to your local authority. Now, how, how frequently is this happening? You know, you mentioned that, you know, there's a certain percentage, and it is pretty low, but it does, uh, not the percentage doesn't increase necessarily during the holidays, but of course with more volume comes more thefts. Do you have any idea what that volume looks like? How many, uh, what your percentage of packages that are being stolen looks like? Is there, is there a figure that you guys can put on that? Yeah, well, I couldn't give you an exact number, but again, it's, it's literally a fraction of a percent. It's very, very, okay. very minimal. Uh, as, as most things, when it happens, it does reach social media. It does, you know, as you mentioned, the YouTube videos, uh, so people are aware of it. Uh, however, overall, it, it's not, it doesn't happen as much as maybe people think. That said, if someone does have a concern uh, or worried about their packages uh, being pirated from their, from their doorstep, there are measures that they can take to avoid that. Yeah, maybe tell me about 
some of those steps that people can take. So if I'm, I'm getting my package delivered by UPS and I do maybe, maybe don't want it just left on a porch, I guess, what what uh, what steps should I take? What what can I say to those people that are taking the order, if you will? Well, I'm going to recommend three three things very quickly. Uh, number one, if you have the option, instead of delivering it to your doorstep, and deliver it to your place of business. Um, that's a place where uh, you will always get a signature and it will be safe and secure. Now, for those that don't have that option, um, we recommend use, utilizing an alternate delivery location. Uh, in our case, we have the UPS stores as well as other UPS access points. We have over 150 in BC, two in Kamloops. And you can redirect your package to one of those nearby delivery locations. Again, it'll stay safe, it'll stay secure, and then you can go pick it up on your, at your convenience during lunch, after work, uh, or if you're walking your dog. And finally, I would say that many uh, courier companies, including ourselves, have visibility tools. In our case, it's called UPS My Choice. You sign up for that, it's free. Whenever a delivery is scheduled to come to your home, you will get an alert typically the day before or earlier, saying that a package is on the way. So you can make arrangements, either, arrangements to either be home, but what the app also allows you to do is reroute it to a place closer to either your home or work. So not only do you have the visibility that it's coming, it gives you the option to, to tell us whether you want it delivered to your home or whether you want it delivered somewhere else nearby. So those are the three main things that I would suggest if someone has concerns about porch piracy during the holidays. Perfect. Yeah, that's some, some good advice. I, I don't Like you said, it doesn't happen often but I think when we see videos out there of, of people doing it, it just makes us a little more concerned that maybe this could potentially happen to us. And, you know, uh, I know there's a lot of issues in this city when it comes to thefts out of vehicles, or maybe not a lot of issues, but it is an issue. And, and this is, of course, just one more avenue. People who are doing that would probably uh, migrate to, to package thieves as as well. Um, Steve, well, I have you here. I mean, uh, you know, we are, like I said, off the top, you know, just five days away from, from Christmas here, Christmas Day. Uh, people are looking to send out some some gifts or some packages. I mean, is there enough time right now to get those delivered, or have we passed that mark now? You, you have until Monday to essentially safely get packages delivered in times for the holiday. Uh, it would be on, on our, our express services. However, I would visit ups.com and check our holiday schedule for exact dates, but I would say, um, you know, my advice would be try to get stuff out by tomorrow and Monday the latest, and it, it will make Christmas delivery. Perfect. So some good advice there for people looking to get those presents off, uh, just to make sure they do uh, get under the tree in time in order for, for people to open them on Christmas morning. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it here, Steve. I guess, uh, you know, obviously it's your, your busiest time of year, I would assume, and you guys are your couriers, your, your delivery guys, are working away and trying to get everything done here. So uh, really appreciate you taking the time to speak to me. Maybe uh, just for, for um, what's the word, just to kind of get a quick understanding of just how busy you guys are. Do you have any idea what your average Christmas looks like? I mean, what your average maybe December, I guess, would look like in terms of number of packages? I'm sorry if I put you on the spot here. I'm just curious to see how, how big your volume really is. Well, you know, with, with uh, online shopping and e-commerce, it's getting uh, larger and larger every year. In fact, our busiest day ever in Canada was uh, last Monday, uh, where we processed almost a million packages just for that day. So um, it's it's 100%, almost double the volume than we normally get on a typical day during this time of year. So we're ready for it, and uh, our goal is to make sure every gift is under the tree in time, that's for sure. <laughs> right on. And then, of course, UPS is just one of other uh, several other courier services that are out there, but you guys, of course, are one of the bigger ones, and, and that just kind of speaks to just how many packages there are moving this time of year. Well, Steve, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. I really appreciate it, and uh, happy holidays. 
Happy holidays to you. Thank you. Right on. That was Steve Vitale, spokesperson for UPS. Anyway, so there you go. You have uh, just a couple of days left to get those packages sent out on time. If you have any gifts you're still looking to get out to some loved ones, you still have a couple of days left to uh, make sure you send them off if you want to get them in those people's hands come Christmas Day. So by Monday, that means you can get them out today, you can get them out tomorrow, you can get them out Monday, and then you're out of luck. So there you go. Not a lot of time left. Now, if you are traveling out there and going to visit those friends and families, just be safe. Uh, you know, the highways are a bit of a mess right now. We'll have more on that in your news, I'm sure. Uh, your weather forecast as well will be coming up to just uh, help keep you safe on the roads here today. Uh, a lot of stuff to deal with. Well, that about wraps things up for me here today. I want to thank all my guests one more time for joining me. And, of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening. And remember, whether you join me for a short while or a long while, just know I enjoyed our time. While it lasted, have yourself a fantastic weekend. And I'll I'll be back here on Monday at 9.